Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 31 of For Your Eyes, O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J, and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today, bud? I am uh, dying. I'm dying of heat. I mean, we all are humidity. slowly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? Fun, hey, fun way to kick off the show. That's a great way to kick off our ostensibly comedy podcast. Uh, no, it's just miserably hot. It's like a million percent humidity. I know that's not possible, but... Oh, yeah. Is it is it not raining where you are? It is not. It has rained just enough to get, get that last... Just that last, like, touch of moisture into the air. Just ring that last little bit out of the clouds. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, well, that is that is not exciting, Dave. What is exciting um, is that today we are watching episode 31 of Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger, the home delivery diet. And Dave, did you know that this is not episode 200 of our show? Uh, this is actually episode 201. Last week was episode 200, and we just forgot. Was it really? <laughs> well, Dang. okay. It's, uh, it was, it is the, two, last week was the 200th episode counting all episodes in the feed. So that's all the Super Sentai buddies. It's all the Creature Royales. It's all of the, uh, You Only Live Man Twice, which is part of the Super Sentai buddies family of products. Um, so like, it's not all like a standard episode of you and me. We haven't done that 200 times yet. But we have put 200 episodes in our feed, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, that's... Man, um... And it only took I us, like, we 203 weeks to do it. I don't think we've missed more than a few in that time. We have not had a ton... No, I think we've we've missed, like, one or two. Um, I know we haven't talked about, you know, like, ooh, we did an ep- Like, we hit this milestone of episodes, I think, since we hit 100. Yeah. Um... Well, I feel but like the real is pretty yeah. rad. Yeah, it's pretty good. I feel like the real milestones are when we finish a season. But uh, man, this it's a it's a new digit up in that uh, hundreds column. So yeah, I'm into it. Nice. But as I said, uh, today is 31 of O Ranger, the home delivery diet, and Dave, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But before we do, of course, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. Would you like to know what our first star of the week is? Yeah, sure, Matt. Dave, you may or may not know this. Um, there was a there was an event over the is weekend. It, is it goal? Was that it? I mean, yeah. Was that the star? You have stolen my goal and my thunder, Dave. Um, <laughs> it was you can a, do it. They do it a bunch. It's a thing. Well, they don't do it that often. They're pretty low scoring games. But uh, yeah, it was the World Cup this weekend. Uh, pretty good weekend for France because it was Bastille well, it was Day just, on it was Saturday. More than, it was it more it was more than just the one weekend. Well, yes, but this past weekend, if you would have let me finish my sentence, was Bastille Day on Saturday and World Cup winning uh, France winning the World Cup on Sunday. Oh yeah, so that's huge for France. Yeah, um, I think the first time they'd won it since '98, so like 20 years, right? Is that when uh, Zidane 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 it's Zidane, Zidane Zidane? No, it's Zidane Zidane. Double and, Z. And that ZZ was in top. 2006, and they lost that final to Italy. Oh, did they? Yeah. All I remember is that he game, like, viciously headbutted someone. Well, it's soccer. The guy flopped. Anyway, um, so yeah, it was very cool. I saw the second half of the game. Because uh, living in the Eastern Time Zone in the United States, uh, GMT minus four or five, depending on the time of year, um, that means the game started at 11 a.m. on a Sunday. Yeah. So I set myself an alarm to wake up and go to the bar, uh, okay. which is not something that you normally would do. But, you know, I figured, hey. So I get up and I drive out there. So there is this bar near me called the Old Angle, and the Old Angle, like, it, it came in, like, the top five of some national ranking of best bars to watch soccer in America, right? Wow. No yeah. kidding. Oh, yeah, yeah, Is the Old Angle, just real quickly, is the Old Angle in Hingetown? Because uh, I feel like... No. <laughs> no, actually, the Old Angle is on the corner of uh, Bridge and West 25th. Dang. Um, right down the street from the Westside Market. Um, and if you were ever in Cleveland and want to watch a soccer game, the, the reason it's such a great place to watch soccer is, A, it's a good bar, and B, like, all of its TVs are usually turned to soccer or something soccer adjacent. 
Mm, okay. So, like, if you want to watch a game and it is televised, you can probably catch it there. So I thought, well, you know, it's the World Cup. I'm right down the road from this, like, really great soccer bar. I'm going to drive over there and I'm going to watch the game. And it'll be great because I'll be with other people who are also watching the game. So I drive down the street towards the bar, and I see some people standing outside. And I think, oh, okay, that's fine. So people are standing outside the bar. Maybe they're having a cigarette, whatever. I get closer, and I realize that they are not outside the bar because they want to have a cigarette. They're outside the bar because there is no room for them to stand inside the bar. Whoa! The bar is full, and, like, they've got sort of like a... They can open up the front windows to be sort of, like, open to the air. Those are open. People are just sort of, like, hanging in and out of the front windows and trying to, like, watch the TVs that are in the bar from outside on the sidewalk. Man. Yeah. I am even noting that, like, this place is apparently the best place to watch soccer in Cleveland. I am a little bit... Surprised that there's that many people who wanted to? Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I was thinking, man... I wonder if these people were out here for all the other games. And then I realized, Matt, neither were you, and you're neither late were for you. this one. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent, and this is not a joke, probably 25 minutes circling the surrounding blocks in sort of like ever larger circles trying to find somewhere to park um, in a place that I can normally find parking in max five minutes. Um, and then I had to walk, I don't know, a half a mile or something from my parking spot. I didn't even try to go to that bar. I went to another bar that is next to it that was also showing the World Cup, but I guess all of the people who had Googled where should I watch the World Cup did not realize there were Just. other bars on the street. <laughs> <laughs> so I was able to sort of sneak in there and catch the back half of the game. And it was great. Yeah, World Cup's fun. France won. Yeah, no, the World Cup is great. We've <laughs> talked about it before, but I do just love, you know, I really dig international competition. I caught uh, just none of the World Cup this year. I was, like, traveling for huge parts of it, and I was bummed out. But uh, well, congratulations, was, France. Congratulations, yeah. Croatia, since, uh, since I know you guys are listening. Yeah, all those. Everyone in Croatia listens to this show. Uh, yeah, it was the first time Wouldn't they ever made the finals, I think. It, uh, yeah, it is. It's like a really, it's a really huge deal. Which, I mean, like, dude, even if you lose, you're still, oh, yeah. like, second place in the World Cup. Like, yeah, they played a great game. Like, anyway, that's it. I, uh, that, is my, that was my World Cup experience. Uh, Dave, what is our second Star of the Week? Oh, so our second story of the week, Ben, is I have been reading a an online series, which I don't really do a lot, but I, I kind of stumbled onto this thing, and I've been reading it. It's tons of fun. It's called The Death Worlders. Okay. All now, right? when you say an online series, what does this mean? So it's a like a it's a prose novel, like an ongoing novel. Oh, okay. Um yeah. Now it's um so it's being written by this guy. It's actually, it's very cool. It's got a lot of the hallmarks of a comic book in that, like, it's a shared universe. There's one primary author, a uh, guy whose online handle is Hambone. So, all right. you know, whatevs. And, uh, but there are other people who are also writing stories that are sort of like adjacent to the primary story in this, in this world. And it's kind of ongoing. And so there's no like set end point. So, but it is pro. So, like I said, it's very it's comic booky in that vibe. So here is the quick, the very very quick like intro to this thing, and I just got like I got such a kick out of it that I wanted to, I wanted to tell you about it. So it's a subset. It's a story in the 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 genre of fiction that is called humanity. F yeah. Okay. Oh the, yes, I'm familiar with this. This is like. Uh... In the course of a fictional world, it turns out that humans are, like, the strongest race in the galaxy. Yeah, that, like, Earth is Krypton, basically, and it turns out that we're, yeah. And so the the story of the Death Worlders, it's set in, uh, the world is called the Jenkinsverse, because, like, the original short story stars a guy named Kevin Jenkins. And how it works, it, like... There's a bunch of alien species, and one of them that are called the Corti, and they are, like, they're little gray aliens. Like, that is, you know, like, stories about little gray aliens, those are the Corti, right? Uh, So anyways, like, worlds are rated on a class of, like, 1 to 12, and 1 is, like, a paradisical Eden where, like, everything is fine, and at 12, like, anything that's a 10 or above is considered a death world. And, And common wisdom is that, like, sapient life cannot evolve on death worlds like it's too dangerous like nothing could survive that long blah 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 earth is categorized as a 12 
Okay. We are a class 12 death world. So the story starts off, there's this dude, Kevin Jenkins, and he shows up in a space station, and he's like, they're like, well, what are you? And he's like, I'm a human. They're like, that's not in our database. And he says, yeah, I was abducted. I know I'm not in your database, but like, I'm a human. They're like, where are you from? He's like, I'm from Earth. And they're like, what's Earth? There's nothing that lives there. And he's like, yeah, we are there, though. And someone looks it up. And they're like, that's a class 12 death world. You can't be from Earth. He's like, and yet, here I am. Strangely. <laughs> Strangely, here I am. And, um, so then there's uh, there's this other race. They're called, uh, like, basically the rest of the galaxy are all herbivores, right? Okay. Uh, because they are all, they just are. And uh, and then there's, like, one other sapient race in the galaxy that are carnivores, and they're called the hunters. And they, like, the entire galaxy, like, lives in fear of the hunters, right? So while they're on this space station, they, like, hunters attack. And Kevin Jenkins is just like, what the heck are those things? They're like, oh, man, it's the hunters. Well, we're all just going to die now because, like, that's it. We're all just going to die. And Kevin Jenkins says, what? No, man. And he just, like, runs over and just starts punching one of them to death. And then he turns around and tears another one's arm off and uses it to beat a third one to death. And and they're all looking at him, saying like, "What, what did, what did you just do? You just got shot because they like shoot him with like pulse cannon fire, and it like bruises his arm, but he's fine." Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're like, "You just got shot," and he's like, "Oh, did I? Wow, that's crazy." <laughs> And then they're, like, doing an after-action report on him. They're, like, trying to figure out, like, how he possibly did this. And they say, dude, um, you've got adrenaline in your system. And he says, yeah. And they say, you're like a space bum. You don't have any money. And he says, so? They're like, where did you possibly get adrenaline? Because it turns out, like, the rest of the galaxy had figured out how to synthesize adrenaline, but had banned it. With like intergalactic Geneva conventions as like the world's most the galaxy's like most dangerous combat drug. <laughs> They're like, so you just you just make that in your tiny brain. And he says, I guess so. Yep, like yep, sure, sure do. Um, <laughs> and then the rest of the series just sort of spirals out from there. Um and it is about like humanity entering this gigantic galactic civilization that was like certain that they not only didn't didn't know that they existed but was certain that they could not exist because earth is a death world right and um it's just like okay to be fair the writing the writing itself is not actually very good okay so and i'm only leading with that to kind of get it out of the way like as a as a constructor of prose, the author is like not super amazing, right? Um, like obviously he or she is getting better as they because they've written a lot of this at this point. Um, but as a piece of speculative fiction and as a sort of uh, world building, it is fantastic. Like it's oh, very cool. super super interesting. Just looking at like. Humanity is like so. Like humanity is basically the galactic equivalent of like a, a hyper intelligent toddler. Like we're smarter than everybody else, or we're stronger than everybody else, but we are also like literally thousands and thousands of years behind technologically. Um, and sort of like how does humanity interact and adapt and overcome and and all of these things. Um, it's a pretty easy read. It's a lot of fun, and I uh, I recommend it a lot. It's uh it's very good. So it's called the Death Worlders, uh, or you can just search for the Jenkins verse if you are interested. Right on, dude. Yeah. So what, Matt, is our third star of the week? Uh, third star of the week is that uh, while you were diving into the wide world of speculative fiction, uh, I was going perhaps the op- like as far in the opposite direction as you can go. Uh, because I've spent the last three weeks watching the Ken Burns baseball documentary series from 1994. Ooh, I've watched a couple episodes of that. Okay, here's the thing. Um, I'm not a huge baseball fan. Yeah, no, me neither. Um, but the the parts of baseball that I like are the like the mythology of baseball. 
You know, like this sort of like Americana. Like, yeah, right. I don't actually want to watch a baseball. I don't actually want to watch a baseball game. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, honestly, the more that I watched of the documentary, the more interested I am in like actually watching a game. Although, like having spent a couple of weeks, and when I say a couple of weeks, like it's uh, te- it's nine episodes. The, the the original run of it is nine episodes. Each of those episodes is two hours long. Yeah, and there's a lot of information. And so there are effectively, I don't know, 30 episodes, because I never sat down and spent two hours watching a full episode front to back. I would just kind of like get home and turn it on for a while or turn it mm. on for a while before I went to bed. So it's kind of weird now that I'm done watching it. There are two more episodes um, that he made in 2010. But here's the problem, Dave. After watching, I don't know, about 18 to 20 hours of baseball documentary. How much of that are you absorbing at this point? I mean, honestly, I think probably a lot. It's a very well done series. <laughs> okay. But the, the real problem <laughs> of it is that I don't think that for the rest of this calendar year, I can tolerate listening to yet another musical arrangement of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I can, like... Because I swear there's probably two new arrangements per hour that's 18 to 20 hours, so we're we're rounding 35 to 40 arrangements of a very <laughs> simple song <laughs> that I have just been, like, living with for weeks now. There's some jangly versions. There's some mournful versions. There's some, like, Civil War versions, I, I was going to say, dude, there's got to be a bunch of different versions of this thing. Uh, and it is, and listen... I have nothing against the song. It's a perfectly nice song. Even though for years I was not sure if the line, I don't care if I never come back, refers to I don't care if I ever get back to home from the ballpark, or if I ever care if I get back to the ballpark again after this visit. It's always seemed very unclear to me, even after listening to it this many times. It's probably the side that favors being in the ballpark, to be frank, uh, since it's sung while there. Anyway, uh, it's a really good documentary series. It's also a great time capsule for 1994. Mm. Yeah, I remember there being a lot of uh, the glasses is what I remember. Yes, the eyeglasses that people are wearing in that thing are like, they could not have been made at any other time. I I know I've talked about this before. Honestly, I can't remember if I've talked about it on this show uh, because it just like seeped into my brain so much for so long that it could have been here. It could have been on a different podcast. It could have been in an email. I could have had a conversation at work. It's just sort of been like this cloud I've been living in for weeks. And it was so great. And I'm so glad to be free of it for a while. For a little while, at least. I'll get around to those episodes <laughs> later. Uh, Dave, uh, what are we on? Our fourth star? What is our yeah, fourth so star our of the week? Yeah, so fourth star of the week, man. So this is, I just needed to tell you about a product that I've just discovered. Product and update. I, just, I discovered it uh, in an advertisement. That's where. That's often where you'll discover a product. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it's called John Daly's Grip It and Sip It. Okay. Okay. So who, do you who, know who John... Do you know who John Daly is? Uh, is that the guy from the Comedy Central show Review? No. Is that no. Andy Daly? It's something is, Daly. Yeah, that is Andy Daly. No, John Daly is a pro golfer, and um, oh, okay. I really only, like, I needed to know more about this product, so I did a little bit of research on John Daly. So, John Daly, he's a golfer, and he is, like, the rogue bad boy. He's basically uh, Happy Gilmore. Okay. As far as I can tell, like he is the rogue drunky bad boy of of pro golf. All right. Cool. Yeah. So he has recently, I guess last year, but I just found out about it. Like his his like tagline, I guess, is grip it and rip it. Okay. Because he like sounds like an the, energy drink. Hits it does, hits the golf ball real, real hard. Just so hard, I guess. And uh he so this is called Grip It and Sip It. Okay, now I've got a question right. for you. Is the product yeah. called Grip It and Sip It, or is it called John Daly's Grip It and Sip It? It is called John Daly's Grip It and Sip It. Okay. Just so you're, it says John Daly. It's in a uh, an Argyle can, okay? Okay. And it is an alcoholic beverage. It is made by Fusion Beverages, the same people responsible for bringing you Four Loco. <laughs> You know, when I think golf, I think four loco. You're already, <laughs> well, apparently, you're, listen, you're you already know, shouting four when you're at the tee. You just keep so, going. 
<laughs> I really hope that John Daly does that now. But anyway, so here's the deal. So I'm watching this commercial, and he says, like, uh, John Daly, um, rad, bomb a drink. Uh, and he's how, like, it comes give in. Me, give, me a, give me an age range on Don, John Daly. How, how old do, are we thinking he is? You know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's Wikipedia says that he was born... He is 52 years old. 52. Yeah, he's the bad yeah, boy he's, of golf. The bad boy of golf. 52, 52, 52 years, years old. old. Well, bad boys get old. He's been golfing since he was like, since like the 80s. So he's been doing, anyways. I so, think at this point, he's just, he, he must be a bad man by now, right? <laughs> so anyways, he he's talking John about Cena, this. Both bad, bad men. This product, and he's like, it's a, it's a hard, it's a cocktail. And it, he comes in a hard tea, like hard iced tea. Which, like, okay, sure, like, that's already a product that exists, but why not? And then he says, or the John Daly, which is a hard half iced tea, half lemonade. Well, hold on, Dave. Because <laughs> I've, yeah, okay. I've heard of right. some famous golfers. And there's one in particular yeah. that, to my knowledge, has a famous drink. Yeah, okay. So here's the deal. Apparently, this started out as, like, a joke because John Daly... Like, this dude loves to drink so much that if you were drinking a, an Arnold Palmer and you poured liquor in it, you would they would call it a John Daly. Like, uh, like if he was not present, they would still do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you could order a John Daly, which is just a drunk Arnold Palmer. And he was just like, you know what, man? May as well cash in on that part of my reputation. Dude, can you, um, can you imagine the gall of this guy walking into a room and saying, listen... I've got a great idea. I am a professional golfer, and I want to sell a drink. You're going to love it. It's iced tea, and wait for it. There's also lemonade. <laughs> it's like, well, we, I mean, gosh, John, I think I think we've already I think we're already all full up Here's on pro golfer themed iced tea and lemonade drinks. Right, and you can't even, because Arnold Palmer does sell a pre-mixed version with his name on it. Yes, he does. Um, so you've got to be thinking, so what's the, what's the catch? What makes it so special? What's this new flavor sensation? Well, we add a flavorless liquor. <laughs> <laughs> it will get you turned. Uh, yeah, so that is, I just needed, I just discovered this. Uh, the commercial is worth watching all on its own. It is basically just John Daly hitting golf balls very hard with the voiceover about how you should get loaded on his new canned beverage. And I also love that the name of the product is the John Daly's Grip It and Sip It because the name of the Arnold Palmer is not the Arnold Palmer like squeezy lemon tea drink. It's just the <laughs> Arnold, uh, the, the most impossible name to say for some reason, the Arnold Palmer. Yeah, well, that's it's right up there with the Parma Armory. Ah, the Parma Armory. Arnold Parmel, Parmel, Parma, the Parma Armory. <laughs> <laughs> Two hundred and first episode. I know how to talk, folks. <laughs> this ridiculous beverage uh, aside, Matt, what is our fifth star of the week? Oh gosh, dude, my Gmail's running out of storage, and I don't know how to deal with it. I don't. Yeah, that has also happened to me. Uh, that happened to me with my Dropbox, and I just, I like, I wasn't prepared for it. You know, it's one of those things when you sign up for a new Gmail account uh, in two thousand six, back when it said beta on it. Uh, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. It's a beta on Gmail for like seven years. It was for very strange. For a really strange. long time. Well, there used to be like a little counter about how much additional space they were giving you. Like just ticked up every second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just assumed it would continue it was to tick never... up and I'd never run yeah. out. Yeah. But yeah, they capped it at 15 gigs, but low which th is well still a lot. Low these 12 years later, I am up to 14.7 of those 15 gigs. Wow. And wow, wow, wow. Like, I, there's got to be ways to deal with that. I but. mean, there is. I guess I just delete a bunch of emails. But the problem is, like, we have, like, the, the, the nice thing about having a Gmail account that runs back to 2006 is you that. You've got I, sort of a running comment. Yeah, you've exactly, got, like, an like, email based log. Like, I don't keep a diary, I just have all my old emails. And so, like, it's like, well, what, what do you do? Do you. Do you pay Google for more storage, or do you throw your diaries in the fire? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, if anybody's got a great idea about that, like, let us know, I guess. Yeah. And I know it shares storage with Google Drive, but I don't have that much stuff in the Google Drive. I, I looked at that. 
It's mostly like you check. Like yeah. this is just 15 gigs worth of emails. Well, here's the thing: we send this giant email. email chain back and forth to like 15 people a day, and we do it every single day. And it sometimes goes like it might go upwards of 100 emails in a day. Oh sure. And after a while, it starts to take up some space. Oh yeah, today's was 61, and yesterday's was 53. So you know, it's. It's not it's an inconsiderate a, yeah. amount of detail, but that also means it's not an inconsiderate amount of, like, the Your entirety <laughs> of my relationship with <laughs> right. all of my college friends post-college. Anyway, I don't have a lot of jokes about that. It's just a growing it's panic just like in the background thing. of my life. Yeah. So, um, oh, I am going to I'm gonna break kayfabe for a little bit here, Matt. Uh, we did already watch this episode. And, uh, Dad, if you're listening to this one, you should you should listen to the whole episode. Oh yeah, there's a little. I know. Uh, I know you normally don't. You just listen to the five stars to catch up on what we're doing. That you should listen to the episode review on this one. You'll appreciate it. There is some dad focused material. Not your dad. Our dad. It's very our specific to it, our dad. I mean, listen. If your dad is in the same line of work as our dad, <laughs> I'm giving away too much. Anyway, just listen to it. Exposing the business, Dave. Anyway, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to pretend to take a break and watch the episode. Dave already told you that we did it. Uh, but you're going to hear an interstitial sound anyway, right now. Okay, welcome back. <laughs> Good break. Yeah, down. hey. Uh, anyway, so we watched this episode. And Dave, I, can I make a confession to you right off the top of the bat? Yeah. Uh, I wonder if it's the same thing I'm about to say. Uh, no, I, I messed up. I watched this episode bad. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? I thought I was going to watch it good, but I did it bad. Um, you know, so I'm watching them on the DVDs from uh, Shout Factory. You can watch them on mm-hmm. the DVDs yourself or at shoutfactory.tv. I think that's the website. All up there. You can watch along with us. I was watching on the DVDs, though, Dave. And I thought, man, I don't know when we're going to start recording this. I should cut out a minute of my watch. And just fast forward to the end of the credits. You know, do like a little chapter skip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the problem, Dave. It was a double tapped. <laughs> double tapped that chapter skip. <laughs> so Ooh. I started watching this episode at the act break. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, sometimes when an episode starts, you're like, well, I guess we're just... You in, just they just, just throw the you right in, man. We're just in the mix, and that's cool. And we're going to get this out of the way in the first half, and then in the back half. Ooh. <laughs> Who knows what could happen? Um, <laughs> and what happened so, is the episode that did, and I was like, oh, crap. This was only made, oh, like 11 I've minutes. i made a terrible mistake. <laughs> I've missed something. Well, Matt, listen, let me tell you something. It's not actually as bad because I started this episode at the beginning, and it still didn't make any sense. Because here's the deal. This character, this episode, the monster for it is called Barra Fawcett. And they are talking about this dude as though, like, he has been around for a minute. We've never seen him before. Turns out he was the villain in the O-Ranger movie. Yes. Now, the O-Ranger movies, all of the Super Sentai television series, the full seasons, are on the DVD. Those are part of what Shout Factory got the rights to. For some complicated legal reason, the movies... Which are, we did the Die Ranger movie back when everything was just up on YouTube. Um, yeah. The movies are like a bonus episode that are not in the DVD box sets. Yeah, and normally it's, like, normally it's not a big deal. Like, it, it just doesn't matter. But as it ha- like, okay, like, we managed to get through the episode. I don't want to make it sound as though it was, like, enormous plot complications. But generally speaking, the movies are just, like, they're just another episode. As it happens... They brought the villain back for this episode, so it was really weird. They kind of did. They did it in, like, the weirdest way. Well, okay, we will get to this. Uh, The episode starts at midnight in front of a refrigerator, or at least that is where I thought it started. We will get there in a few minutes. Yeah, it does not. Uh, Where it actually starts is up in Baranoia, and they have Barra Fawcett. And Barra Fawcett is, he's like a... A big dude in like a yellow jumpsuit, and his head is a faucet, mm-hmm. and his mouth sort of like extends out. He has like teeth that extend out of the faucet in a d- deeply upsetting way. Uh, his mouth looks like if you took if you crossed a, a a faucet with a naked mole rat. Yeah, that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that works. Or like a horse, maybe. Anyways, so uh, Empress Baranoia, Empress Baranoia, Empress Hysteria says. 
this is great. We have we have rebuilt Barra Fawcett. Originally, I guess he was called Fawcett Chuck. Yeah. Um, maybe he had, maybe and, the teeth is because he had like a woodchuck thing going on. Man, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, I literally I saw him. There's like a flashback, and he's throwing stuff at someone. And I wondered if he was called he because he like chucks faucets at people. <laughs> I don't know. I, who knows? Anyways, so they're like we've rebuilt him out of new liquid metal. So he's basically T1000. Um, and they are sending him to Earth to an, uh, enact Operation Moon Rainbow. Yes. Now, he is T-1000 in two ways. One, he is made out of liquid metal and can sort of, like, shift his, like, liquid body around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, he can't, like, shapeshift around. Well, he kind of can, though. He can well, turn he himself like... into, like, he has a human form that he can transform into. Oh, that's right. You know, he did that, and I was so, like, I'm just so used to... Well, no, a number of the paranoia robots did that, but I'm so used to it being a thing, like from Cocker Ranger, that like it didn't, mm. like it didn't register. Like, oh wow, he can do that thing. I was like, oh, there's this human form. How about that? Uh, so anyway, so we go from there, and we see this lady, and she is making tea, and she looked really familiar. Oh yes, I, I and it, see. I noticed this right away, but that's because when I first started watching this episode, I saw the whole family together. Right. I didn't notice it at first. We will get to why she looks familiar later. But she was making herself some tea. She sets her tea down. She's like, ooh, I'm hungry. She looks in the fridge. She sees some cake. And she's like, oh, yeah, cake. Yeah, dude, cake and rules. Then she kinda, yeah, cake rules. And then she kind of gives it the stink eye. And she's like, mm, let me check something. And she goes over. And this lady has a scale, like a weight, not like a like a person scale, in her kitchen. Which already suggests to me that she maybe has like an unhealthy relationship with her, with herself. Yeah, or at least with you her know, scale. With at least with her scale, like lady, it's okay. Have some freedom. Eat that piece of cake. Well, just it, get back on plan in three hours. And, and from he, healthy mama. It, <laughs> and here's how we know that she is uh, trying very hard to keep to a uh, a strict diet is because when she gets on the scale, she says, "Oh no, I'm three hundred grams overweight." Which is like nothing, right? It's like, yeah, like that. That is about is that's that's a hefty like cold cut order from the deli. Like that is not like multiple pounds. Three hundred grams is point six pounds. There we go. Yeah, so oh, it's not this even is that not hefty like order at the deli. Yeah, this is not like a huge huge amount that she's yeah. So she's clearly concerned. Can I, Dave? Can so, I give you a personal life anecdote? About uh, trying to about how many grams? About how many grams to order at the deli? Yeah, this is very specific. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's probably uh-huh. never going to come up again. Um, in the year that I lived in France, I never got a good gauge as to like I got pretty good at like Fahrenheit Celsius conversions, but I never got good at like ounces pounds to metric. And so whenever uh-huh. I went to the grocery store. I just decided that anytime I got something from the deli counter, I always wanted 200 grams because I could remember how to say du cent gram. And like, okay. that was kind of enough. Um, and I always tried to say it like as confidently as possible. And it worked pretty well most of the time until like a few times. You know how you like sometimes accidentally order something that's like weirdly dense for its size and you get like four pieces mm. of cheese? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That mistake has been made in the past, definitely. Uh, anyway, that's just a uh, a fun moment from the life of Matt. Let's get back to the story. So, anyways, um, while she is sadly contemplating her scale, there's a doorbell. And this dude, it, it's the human form of, of Barra Fawcett. And he, he, we, we know that it is him, by the way. He is not disguised really oh, at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he is a human, but he is dressed exactly like a machine beast. Right, and we well, and we saw him transform. Yeah. So this is not like a secret from from us, at least. He also does so have three not... faucets sticking out of his chest. Well, she doesn't see that at first because he he just says, "Hey, I'm here to deliver your moon rainbow," and she says, uh, "What?" And he just like, "It's cool, don't worry about it." And he just sort of walks into the house. So he opens, he pulls his shirt open like Superman style, pulls a faucet off of his chest, and then a new one just kind of fades into existence. And this is when she starts to flip out a little bit. Which is reasonable. She flips out a little However, bit. She does she not doesn't, flip out enough. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't stop him from doing anything he's doing. Because what he does, he walks over and just replaces her faucet with the faucet that he has just pulled from his 
from his body. Yeah, his body faucet. His body faucet. And he says, listen, here's the deal. Never mind. That's not a term I'm comfortable with. Let's never say that again. If you just turn the body faucet, if you turn it left, it's just water. You're fine. If you turn the body faucet right, what comes out is, is moon rainbow. And she says, I'm sorry. And he says, listen, moon rainbow is the ultimate diet drink. You can eat, if you drink one glass of moon rainbow a day, you can eat literally anything you want and you'll be totally fine. She is justifiably suspicious about this strange faucet man and his body faucet. And Please, he holds up I, the glass I, of moon rainbow to her. You gotta stop saying that. <laughs> now, now, see, no, think listen, about you it. Have think, to just... no, think about it for one second next time you say it. Think about what, just think about what you're saying. Yeah, no, no, no. No, I'm there, Matt. So, anyways, he says, listen. She's like, no, this is, she doesn't even say anything. She's just horrified. And he says, yeah, listen, steaks and cake and like some Japanese dessert and some other stuff. And he just starts listing off foods and she's lit- she starts to hallucinate about the foods. Sure, like she's in a cartoon and he has suddenly become like a fully dressed turkey that's walking around with a hat on. Yeah, and she says, you know what? You go ahead and give me that moon rainbow. And she just starts drinking it. And that's enough. And then he says, oh, also, if you wear this, he calls it a basic suit. I don't, I don't know why. It seems like high-tech, like, wrestler sweatsuit. It's, it's like, a big silver onesie. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. And he's like, if you wear this suit, you will, you know, you'll you'll lose even more weight. And she's just like, awesome. I'm down. By the way, the moon rainbow obviously is going to have a negative effect. The basic yeah, suit. Yeah, yeah. Just seems to be for aesthetics. <laughs> like, at no point does the... Like, because multiple people are going to drink this moon rainbow. And they are not in any way affected less than the people who are not wearing the basic suits. Well, they all end up wearing the basic suits. So I don't actually know if you can use that as a good as a No, good there, there is a riot later in this episode and only half the people are wearing basic suits. I oh, know because I, okay. I kind of watched it twice. Okay, so anyway, so the next thing we see is Momo. She's out jogging, and she goes to, like, you know, she's got a towel. She's just going to rinse it off in a, in a fountain, and uh, she turns the faucet, and Moon Rainbow comes out. What? She is horrified. And then she's attacked by Barra Fawcett. Barra Fawcett jumps out. Now, Barra Fawcett's mission is not to kill the O-Rangers. Barra Fawcett's mission is to calm down and mess people up with this drink. But the thing is, if you have seen the O-Ranger movie... You will know that the O-Ranger has ar- the old Rangers have already killed this guy once. And he, having been resurrected, now lives only for revenge. And so he forgets his mission anytime that he sees the O-Rangers. And so he just like yeah, jumps he... out of the faucet, like there's a like an animated effect that is meant to be his liquid form, jumps out of the faucet and just starts going after her. Claiming that he has a debt to repay from a previous life, which is when I opened up Google. <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, I must have missed that line because I remained confused uh, until after the episode. So he, um, he attacks her with like a water pressure attack, which is just he, so his, out of his mouth faucet, sure, he opens he just his horrible mouth. a lot of water. He opens his horrible mouth faucet and just sprays water at her. I guess hard enough to hurt her is the idea. It's very clearly not, but whatever. Um, side note, Matt, have you ever watched videos of water jets cutting through things? They're awesome. Uh, yeah, I've seen a few of those videos and they are awesome. Yeah, they're super cool. So anyways, uh, it's a water pressure. He manages to tie her up with like, I'm not sure what it is, it's like a hose or something. Yeah. Uh, but he, he ties Momo up. Somehow the chief like gets, gets wind of this. The team is out. They're on the move. The Rangers arrive to like save Momo and uh, and they're trying to attack Barra Fawcett. It's not actually going super well, though. Well, the thing is, because... Dave, he's got that liquid form. Yeah, he's a T-1000. So, like, they, they just, they're shooting him and trying to punch him and all this stuff. And he just kind of goes like, bloop, and he, he turns into a liquid and it shoots past him. And then he re-solidifies and they can't actually hurt him. So they're they're having this fight, and honestly, it's not going super well for the O-Rangers. And for some reason, Acha and Kocha are like, whoa, this guy is beating up the O-Rangers, but that is distracting him from his true mission of 
distributing this weird beverage. So I'm going to call him away from this fight that he is winning uh, to get yeah. him back to the like the door-to-door faucet repair grind. It's... Ancha and Kocha are inscrutable. Um, so anyways... Actually, he does, he's like... Here, one thing I do like about this is that Ancha and Kocha are very... Like, they're machines, right? Like, so they are... They have been told to, like, follow a particular operation. And so they are making sure that operation happens. Oh, uh, you know, I kind of dig that. I hadn't thought about it that way. I don't, because, like, I don't know so if that's what the show ways, was going for. They're but... basically sentient. But anyways... So uh, he does like a rainbow beam attack, which is just like he shoots rainbow fountains at them, uh, and then he dips like that. He he just gone. He turns into liquid and he disappears into the fountain. Um, this is actually this was really weird for me because while I was doing some house cleaning, Matt, I am catching up on the uh, penultimate and now the most recent episode of the Adventure Zone, uh-huh, which is yes. a very similar monster. So it is kind of a similar monster, yeah. Yeah. Quality so, program. anyways. So we go back to uh, the base, okay, and they're they're all standing around, and <laughs> Momo has this glass of moon rainbow, and she says, "Oh yeah, they they brought it back with her on. to uh, to study." Yeah, she's like, "I don't know what's going on with this stuff, but like, it's really weird." And Juri reaches up, she's like, "Oh, that's moon rainbow, like." It's it's the best. It's the it's hot like the new most diet effective. fad. It's like the hot new diet drink. And she's like doing a mini commercial for a moon rainbow. Jury. Listen, I, I love Jury with my entire heart. But Jury, oh, yeah. this is not the first time we this have season. seen Jury I love like her with fall my whole prey to some season. weird trend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Remember when she got the uh, the mini robot? Like the mini like pet robot that turned out oh, to be a bomb? Oh, the little Pinocchio? Yeah. So, uh, it's all part of her charm, Matt. So anyways, so the chief, he's like, hmm, moon rainbow must be a challenge from the moon. as And like, this is a paranoia plot. Which, but, okay, which like, yes, obviously it is. But the thing that's throwing me off is that he says, like he lays this information out as though it is a revelation to anybody in this room. Right, like they collected this stuff after fighting a machine beast five minutes ago. Yes, of course it is a challenge from the moon. And he is acting like he is Robin from like the 1966 Batman show. Like, the C, C is for Catwoman, of course. <laughs> So anyways, um, so we go back there, uh, we go back there, sorry, we go back to the, uh, the house, the, the housewife who is drinking the moon rainbow, and this is where we finally, where we, it clicks, where we've seen this family before. Yeah, this is the same family from the episode with the mold robot. What was that thing's name? Barra Mold? <laughs> That's tough. Something like that. But it, you will remember it as, like, the dude who shows up. Uh, when I say dude, I mean robot. He shows up to a family in the middle of their father's birthday dinner. He eats all of their food. He eats all of the food they can order in. He drinks all of their liquor and is only defeated by the power of dance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's that. Bera... It is that family. Yes. Oh, it's Barra Hungry. Barra Hungry. Right? Yeah, the one that eats a bunch. He's called Barra Hungry. Oh, of course. Yeah, I don't know how we forgot that one. So, anyways, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same family. They're just plagued um, with so all the, the food-related Barra uh, Noia monsters. So the mother, she's in her suit. She's drinking her Moon Rainbow. She's like, "I lost a whole kilo today, which is a lot to lose in a single day." Yeah, troubling. The daughter is really? suspicious. <laughs> yeah, troubling.ly a lot. The daughter is suspicious. She's like, "What do you?" That's from Baranoia. A machine beast gave you that. Why are you drinking slash wearing it? And the mom says, hey, you know what? Maybe Baranoia wants to help for once. Yeah, maybe they're trying like, to turn this thing maybe around. you shouldn't be so judgmental. Um, no, mom, they don't. They don't want to help. They never want to help. They're here to destroy you. But anyways. Um, so then we get, I think, my entire my favorite scene in this entire episode. Which is all the rangers? They're look so like they know something is going on with the water, right? Oh, by the way, have, like, have oh, we have we talked about the before we leave that family? The the husband slash father walks into the kitchen. He's like, man, oh sorry, I've been I forgot about on this. Some yeah. weight, 
And the wife is like, dude, you need to drink this weird stuff from the moon. <laughs> you gotta get on the moon, Rainbow Regimen. And he's like, mm, sounds a little weird. She's like, I lost a kilo today. And he says, I'll try it. So this just goes to show that human beings will do literally anything but like good diet and exercise. Yeah. Uh, man, so anyway, once in a while, O Ranger tries to pull out some like trenchant commentary, like, "Man, people will do anything to help their kids get through school and like get those straight A's, or people will do anything to lose a few pounds." But the problem is like very rarely solved by any sort of like actual moral in the episode. It's just like, "Oh, well, eventually five superheroes will shoot it with a laser." Well, I mean, no. Well, though, at the end of this, they, they, they get around. There's a little bit of a message. It's good. I like it. So, uh, so anyways, this is my favorite bit, is that the Rangers, they're like, they know there's something going on with the water. And they're like, well, we just got to, like, figure out what's up with water. Uh, and so they are just wandering around town, and they are all on a bridge. And Shohei has a what appears to be a mason jar uh-huh. on a string. Uh-huh. And he just, like, drops that down into the river that is below the bridge and sort of, like, pulls... It's not even on, like, a crank. He just sort of, like, hauls it up hand over hand. And then he looks at the water and says, like, Ooh, looks looks fine to me. And that's their litmus test. Like, that's how they... They don't even do a literal litmus test for their litmus test, Matt. He just kind of gives it a once-over with his jar, with his string jar. <laughs> And that, and the rest of the Rangers are like, well, Shohei says it's good. It's pro- probably fine. <laughs> Dude, Shohei is very good. He has two very good up moments in this episode. That is one of them. The other one is when they first realize that uh, Barra Fawcett is just Fawcett Chuck rebuilt. Shohei's like, man, I wonder if Barra Noy is having trouble with funding. They got to recycle all their stuff. Hey, oh. Very good. Uh, yeah. So they're like, okay, well, he's not in the river. Maybe he's in the pipes. Which is, like, a pretty big jump, but... Well, no, it's no, because they, they've seen him they, disappear into pipes. Yeah, they saw him disappear into the pipes when they were fighting him before. Yeah, so that's good. So, um, we go from there, and we see uh, Barra Fawcett and Akacha and Kocha, and they are in, like, a little base somewhere, and they're they're basically planning their sales route, as far as I can tell. Yeah. And Akacha and Kocha so, are like, listen, we got another customer here. And by customer, they mean... Barra faucet, you need to jump into the faucet and like spit yourself out in their kitchen and replace their faucet with an with a monster faucet, um, which then they will Body just faucet man. They will just drink out of after they're done screaming at the monster invasion. They'll just drink some of that moon rainbow. They're gonna do it. <laughs> they just gotta lose that weight. And again, so, uh, it's a terrible we, he... plan that works one hundred percent. Yeah, well, so what he does, it's this is pretty cool, actually, is that he, he turns into a liquid and he, like, shrinks, I guess, and you just sort of get this overlay of him, like, shimmying through the pipes, just being like, faucet, 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 faucet. Um, it's just a, like, it's just a cool little piece of visual storytelling of him, like, literally, like, jamming through these pipes. It's pretty great. Uh, so <laughs> we go from there, and we are seeing... We see the Rangers are arriving in like the top half of the screen and the bottom half of the screen is blacked out and we see the pipe overlaid and we see Barra Fawcett arriving in the pipes at the same time. It's a neat, it's a, it was just a cool little thing. Yeah, it, they, it is a fun, it's, it's a very, it's a fun visual. Uh, so Barra Fawcett jumps out of the faucet into this kitchen. The woman screams uh, and. Well, hold up, hold up, hold up. Uh-huh. There is actually, there's a little thing that happens before that, which is the Rangers all show up. And there's a there's a bunch of women standing around in basic suits drinking Moon Rainbow, and Shohei's like, "Dude, this this is from a machine beast. You can't drink this. It's like we don't quite know why yet, but it's definitely bad." And they're like, "Yeah, well, we're all losing weight, so give me that Moon Rainbow back. And why don't you mind your own business? Right, mind your beeswax, buddy. <laughs> yeah, like you got proof, they super do not jerk. trust UG for some reason." So then we go upstairs and we do see Barra Fawcett slip flips through and uh, he tries to replace this woman's faucet and she is sensible and uh, flips out. Yeah. Which is what you should do if a monster shows up in your house. And, and when she does, she like goes to the window and screams. The O-Rangers are like, oh, he's in a kitchen. He must be moving through the faucets. Let's brilliant have a plan now, I guess. Yeah. So Barra so Fawcett before... jumps back into the faucet to like get yeah. away. 
Yeah, he rabbits. So, like, there's not actually even a fight here. Uh, we go back to the base real quickly, and the chief says, or maybe they don't go back to base, but the chief says, okay, he can he can move through faucets. Like, he can move through pipes. We know that now. Now we can sort of use this information to lay a, lay a trap for yeah. him. We're going to trap him in the pipes. Okay. Now we hit the episode break, and I want you to keep in mind as we watch the rest of the episode that this is what I watched without having first watched everything we just discussed. Okay. So the episode begins with this poor family. What's the mom and the dad and the older sister? Yeah. And it's midnight, and they're sitting around the kitchen in their basic suits with big glasses of moon rainbow. And they are just jamming food in their face, like, as fast as they can humanly do it. They are eating what I can only call unprepared food. And so it's not, like, raw chicken or whatever, but one of them is definitely eating... Like, you know when you go to the deli and there's, like, a salami and you order, like, I don't know, say 200 grams of it, and they slice it mm-hmm. up? Um, they're just, like, taking bites out of the full salami, which, first of all, why do they have a full salami? That's way too much. Um, but that's that's it's the more kind economical. of food that they are eating. They're just grabbing whatever is in the fridge and eating it whole. Yeah, and so they have, like, the kid, the son is like, what is going on? This is super creepy. And they're like, no, nah, dude, have a snack. It's awesome. Uh, it's actually pretty creepy. And then but, they um, they basically turn into food zombies. Like, they're zombies, but they don't want brains. They just want, like, chicken. Yeah, so they, like, run out of their house. And they are, like, running down the street, and they and a bunch of other people who theoretically have also had the moon rainbow. I'm assuming that all of them had. Maybe all of them but one had, and he was just like, dude, I need a snack. But they break into this restaurant, and they're just, like, busting through the window and grabbing their, like, uh, chickens and everything. And just, like... Like, just everything that's there. Yeah, just... And 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 one of them does say thank you as they're running out of the restaurant. (laughs) So we flip back up to Empress Hysteria and we find out this was the plan the whole time is to, and this is like her commentary on how humans overeat, I guess. But yeah, she says, I'm going to turn their own like negative stuff, like negative habits against them. I'm just going to turn them all into like food craving zombie monsters. And then that will basically be the end of the human race. Yeah, because humans are so just, this- humans are just animals. And then. Because we, we see in a second, uh, uh, Goro sort of expounds on this when he sees it, when they show up in a minute. He says, like, oh, man, like, parents are taking food from children. This is just, like, straight-up survival of the fittest stuff, and that is sort of how Baranoia thinks. And so they're, like, turning us into them or something. It's a lot of weird, yeah, it's like, a little bit X-Men weird. I stuff. do... Yeah, I do kind of dig this element of Baranoia, because we've seen this a few other times in the past where uh, we also saw it in um, Domu Domodaramumunu, the big sorry? villain from last season. Do- what was the big villain from last season's name? Oh, Dave, you know that I forgive, forget. I forgive and forget. No, I forget everyone's I name as soon as forget. we are done with this show. Daimau. Daimau. Daimau <laughs> was his name. But I, I kind of dig that it's just like, oh, like, yes, they are a villain, but their villainy is sort of like, highlighting the darker parts of human nature. Like, it's kind of, it, you know, like it's a kid's show, but I think it adds a little more punch to the narrative. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, so this is the plan. Hysteria is loving it. Uh, O-Ranger comforts the little boy who's like, my mom and dad and sister are food zombies. They're like, it's cool, little boy. We will we'll help you. Um, so can I, can I read you my notes thus far? Yeah, no, please do. <laughs> Note number one. And I, and okay, to be fair... I should have realized something was up when I wrote this first note, but it is not the first time I have written it, which was, did I fast forward too far? <laughs> you did, yes. Uh, but I had no idea that I had. Even th- I mean, listen, again, it, it happens more than you'd think. Um, is this the same family from the Mold episode? Why are they all wearing silver jumpsuits? Why is everyone so hungry? Why is this woman eating an entire salami? Okay, this is the result of a diet drink. This feels like an awful diet. <laughs> Context, folks. It's important. So we go from here to the O-Rangers. Go to just some pipes. 
just some random pipes where they have determined that Barra Fawcett is inside these pipes specifically. Yeah, well, no, they are using little, um... They've got, like, a monster got, radar. Like, a little, so, yeah, they've got, like, a little sonar device. So this is not, like, totally random. And it's... Okay. This whole sequence feels like trying to hack a vending machine in Bioshock. Because they have a whole complex of, like, tubes and pipes. And they are just, like closing off valves and moving stuff around and trying to force all of the water that contains Barra Fawcett to go in one particular direction so they can trap him. Yeah. It's, um... But it does work. It's pretty cool. It's a very extended sequence, though, which for the first five minutes of an episode, it seems like kind of overkill. Yeah, it did go... I mean, it's not the first five minutes of the episode, so... That's on right. me, but... No, I just... I mean, even in the latter half of the episode, it's a little bit long, because it's kind of boring, because, they, I mean, like, they're really getting their money's worth out of that, like, boss it, boss it, boss it footage as he's, like, squirming through, but, like, it loses its luster fairly quickly. So, but they do, like, they eventually, like, they manage to kind of corral him, and they turn all the faucets off. There's only one place he can go, and he's like, oh, no, I'm trapped. Um, But he escapes, kind of. Yeah, like, it, it honestly kind of feels like cheating because they do all this yeah. work to get him into one particular spot and then they open it up and all this water rushes out and they say, oh my gosh, where's Barra Fawcett? But what Barra Fawcett has done is just turned into his liquid form. So when all the water came out, he came out with it and they just didn't notice him because he was part of the water. Yeah, it's pretty great. So, um, so they get into a fight, but like he's only 10 feet away or something. So he's like, ha ha! I escaped and they're like oh there you are and so they all turn around and they start fighting him so the fight is going pretty much the same as it did last time like every time they try and they use their king blaster and all sorts of other stuff every time they try to hit him he just turns into his liquid form and then they can't hit yeah, him now the, and then that's the it the other complication of the two complications of this fight other than that are one there's a bunch of bear soldiers here and two, That's, they have... Con- I mean, sort of a complication. Well, okay, but, but here's the thing, like, the, the practical logistic uh, complication is that they have really committed to hanging around this water treatment plant during this fight. And so if you watch this fight and look where everyone is standing, everyone is just, like, doing kung fu while standing on a kind of narrow pipe. It all looks incredibly dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it looks cool. Oh, yeah. It definitely looks cool. It is very well shot. Those people could have died so easily. Yeah. So, um, so they're looking around, they're like, they realize that, like, something is, they're like, well, listen, this clearly is not working. Like, we have to figure out some, yeah, we got to figure something going, something out here. Goro, dad, this is the part that's for you. Goro looks around and realizes that some of these pipes are carrying liquid nitrogen. Yeah, you know, like they do at the water treatment plant. Yeah, man, I don't... Well, okay, they're clearly at a plant of some sort, and, like... I mean, I don't read Japanese, but I'm at... I mean, okay, listen, I don't know. Anyways, these pipes have liquid nitrogen, okay? Yes. And he gets a genius idea. Which I think actually is also an idea that happens in Terminator 2. It's been a few years since I've seen that one. Uh, yeah, no, they do definitely freeze T-1000. Um, so they they kind of, like, they do some stuff, and there's a, there's some quick, like, maneuvering hijinks, and they get him in this one spot, and he's like, ha I, I got you guys now. And then they all go to shoot him. They don't actually shoot him, though. They shoot these pipes, and it sprays this super cool fluid. It's a, I mean, it's a liquid. It looks like a gas. It's supposed to be a liquid on him. And he freezes. Yes. And so now he is vulnerable because he cannot shift to his liquid form. And so um, Ricky jumps in and hits him with a King Victory Flash. And he just like explodes into a million like tiny liquid metal shards. I mean, I guess yep. he immediately awesome. I guess he immediately reforms because uh, Acha and Kocha make him grow giant. But it, this is a very cool moment. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty red. Now, from there, like, oh, King Ranger shows up at a, in a, at one point, right? 
Uh, oh, yeah. King Ranger he's, shows up. I mean, he's effectively not in this episode. Like, if he yeah. wasn't in this one, it would have no difference. Yeah. Which is kind of a disappointment. So, anyways, uh, real quickly, like, then that's basically the end. Like, he goes giant. They summon all of their, their zords. They summon King Pyramid. Or we do get another great moment where Barafoss is like, how is it so big? And then he just gets just blasted. Like every portion of King Pyramid or glows and emits energy. And then that's, that's it. Yeah. So the, the, the coda on this episode is you see the family and they are out jogging. Um, and the, 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 the boy, the one who had not drank the moon rainbow, um, is in front of the group jogging. Yes. And it's great. And like, and they're sort of like dragging behind. They clearly do not want to be there. They would much rather have lost the weight through like evil space magic. Um, but they're, yeah. they're like, man, like this sucks. And he's like, no, like you actually have to like put in work if you're going to lose weight. Uh, which you're right is there is a message in this episode. Um, and the mother says, we must be the unluckiest family in all of Japan. Why do all of these machine beasts show up at our house? Uh, and the son drops some, like, cold knowledge on them. And not even knowledge, just, like, what he says is, what happens twice will happen three times, and we need to be ready. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, dude, that <laughs> is a pretty pessimistic view. That is not something that a regular little boy says. That is something that, like, Cable says, like, like <laughs> Rob Liefeld Cable shows up from 1994. Nathan Christopher Dayspring of Skies and Summer rolls in. Is like, we need to prepare for the machines. <laughs> this kid has gone full John Connor on us, and I kind of love it. I hope, I do hope we see them again, and that this kid is ready. Yeah, no, that would be. Uh, yep, here's hoping. Uh, but that's the end, uh, except so then that's, yeah, there that's... is one more note to say, is that at the end of this episode, we see all five O-Rangers. They are also out for a jog, and they are, for the oh, yeah. first time in the series, wearing color-coordinated outfits. Like all of them. We have seen some individual bits, but... Yeah, like they're yeah. just all wearing like color-coded exercise gear, and I was so shocked and delighted... Uh, that I almost forgot to restart the episode so I can see the first half. <laughs> and Dave, that, that is going to do it for this episode, uh, but it's not going to do it for our episode because before we leave, we need first to determine how Barra Fawcett fares in the Creature Royale. Okay. Well, I... Okay, I'm is he better or worse than Fawcett Chuck? Well, I, I have no... Yeah, I have no frame of reference for this. I have no frame of reference for that, so I can't... Okay, here's something we do have a frame of reference for. Um, the other... The only other... The only one of the movies that we've seen was the Die Ranger movie. Uh, the monster in that was Duke Trump. Do you like him better or worse than Duke Trump? Ooh. Interesting point of comparison. Duke Trump is pretty wild. Duke Trump is kind of amazing. Yeah, I gotta say, I don't think I like him as much as Duke Trump. Okay. Um, although I, I do really, I think he's a cool monster. Okay. Well, what are uh, what are I our like other, that he's liquid. What are other food monsters? We've got Barra Hungry, of course. Well, there's Barra Hungry, of of course. Yeah. But man, there, I think um, there were a couple of like food hunger monsters. There's the ant, uh, ant soldier, bazooka ant. What was that dude? That was another like make I've, people very hungry monster. Yeah, there's a Bimbo Gami, the poor, poor boy, and he kind of does some stuff with, like, material goods and hunger and stuff, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Barra Hungry is, is 61. 61, okay. Um, yeah, I I think, I like Barra Fawcett better than Barra Hungry. Okay, and now, but now 61 is not a bad spot on the list. That is right in between no, Lieutenant Shiryu no, and Dara Dara. Yeah, so... You know, listen, I, I don't think he's up in Barra Crusher, Barra Brain territory. Okay, well, uh, above um, Barra Hungry, but not too much higher, is Ant Bazooka at number 55. Another hungry monster. I think I like him... I think I like him better than Ant Bazooka. Yeah, no, I think Ant Bazooka got that placement on the list because 
he as like a monster design and concept was not that cool, but he did turn Kauri into like a weird half ant half person who was like consuming like local wildlife. And then also at the end of that episode, um, uh, oh gosh, um, the dude, one of the four dudes. <laughs> I was not kidding when I said that I forgot all the proper nouns from all of the shows we used to watch because I only have room for one in my brain at once. Yeah, no, I'm I'm the same way. Tranza, Anyways, Emperor no, um, that that oh, is yeah, the episode you. where Tran becomes Emperor Tranza. Oh, yeah, no, I I like him better than Aunt Bazooka, I think. Okay. See above that, but we've not got... as no. I think I think actually just above Aunt Bazooka is really good because I don't think he's as cool as Barra Hacker. Barra Hacker is wild. No, Barra Hacker rules. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah. comfortable with that. So I would say just above Aunt Bazooka. Okay, well we will put him there at the new number fifty-five. And that, Matt, is going to do it for us. Yes, Dave, that is going to do it for another episode of For Your Eyes, O-Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you find the show. Uh, actually, I just heard like a few hours ago... Uh, from producer Mark that we are on the new Google Play podcast app. Uh, so no kidding. Yeah, so oh, cool. so if uh, if you do not use the Apple products and you would rather do a Google thing, we are on that now. Um, speaking of producer Mark, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To find any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do so at retrogradeorbitradio.com. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on earth.